Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. This isn't in my notes, but I was just thinking about it before the service started. And I was actually, from me talking with Pastor Nick about it just a little bit, uh, I kind of want to set the scene just with putting out there in front of you guys that, that the text that we're about to look at tonight is, is very straightforward and just really simple, maybe it seems like. Uh, but I think with its simplicity, it can be easy to brush aside all the entailments that might come with it, all these things that it would call us to do uh, because it's just so simple. We'd be like, oh yeah, that, you know, and just kind of read through it. But if we really dig deep into what it has to say, I think this passage that we're going to look at tonight can rock our worlds and, and, and really challenge us. Does Jesus really mean what he says here? Because that's crazy. I, I think this passage in particular, out of pretty much everything in Matthew chapter 5, which is radical in general, this chapter really um, calls us to a lot when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. It, it calls us to do, do a lot. And, um, and so before I even jump into what my sermon is, uh, I, just, I would just ask you guys to join me in, in the acceptance before you even would hear what this particular passage says, because it's in God's holy word, because it's in scripture, that we would just say yes. Okay, and that's hard, but because it's God's word, because we know that it's right and it's true, before we dig into its complexities and, and the entailments of what it might have in your life, um, are you willing to say yes to that? As hard as it might be, as difficult as that might um, sound to do what we're just about to look at, would you, just, would you be willing to do that because you're a follower of Jesus? And so um, it's hard, and that's what I've been wrestling with this week. And so, um, but I would, I would challenge you to do that, to say yes to, to what it has to say as hard as it might be. And so um, really, this, this whole sermon series has been, um, in general, letting uh, our radical relationship with Jesus just a full-on, full-steam ahead, passionate excitement for Jesus to affect our relationships with other people, how we interact with them, how we talk to them, that it should spill over into that, and that they would see um, a difference in how we live, right? And that they would say, wow, there's, a, there's this person that's just really, he stands out or she stands out um, in, in how they act, and that they would see that that is because we are a Christ follower, and it, and it affects everything, how we love them, how we would sacrifice ourselves for them, why we would be brutally honest, to, even to our own detriment, that we might get in trouble because we just had to be so honest and just put it out there uh, in front of everybody that we would just be so transparent to people and say, it was, it was me that did that or, or whatever, and they were like, you didn't need to say, uh, you could have totally got away with that. Everything that we do, our radical love for Jesus, shown in the relationships as how we interact with everyone else, uh, would just blow their minds. That's what this whole series has been um, about, and making an impression with his character flowing out and how we live. Uh, well, tonight's characteristic, if you will, flowing out of our being because of Jesus into how we interact with others 
is love, how God's love flows out of us into loving other people, that we would adopt his love and the extent of it, that we would adopt that, take it upon ourselves, and flow out of us his love, that other people would see how we love them, and their mind would be blown because they've never seen anybody be so kind, so nice, so generous, so accepting. And they'd be like, wow, there's someone, something different about this individual. That our radical commitment to Jesus would flow out in our relationships with other people and how we love them because of his love in us. And so uh, love is the topic that we're going to be looking at um, and observing the love of God that he has for us and then mirroring it to other people radically. Um, the problem with, that I think we're going to run into, just putting our cards out on the table, the problem that we're going to run into with this is that we love justice. We love people getting what they deserve, right? And so whenever we would forgive somebody or give them the benefit of the doubt or accept them, though they're mean or rude, right? Loving the person that's hard to love, we love justice and them getting what they deserve, right? And so that's going to, I think, conflict with this call to love the unlovable, right? To give grace to the people that don't deserve grace the most, right? And, and so um, our love for justice is really going to conflict with this call to love people the way God loves people. Uh, and, and so just kind of an example of that. Growing up in high school, going through high school and then also into college, um, many of you guys could probably put yourself into what I'm going to say here uh, and think of a million of your own examples. But I, I saw all the time uh, people being bullied, right? People being made fun of or, or, or whatever, and I absolutely hated it. It made me sick. I still hate it. Just this interaction that you're, you're sitting and you're kind of observing eavesdropping and this person just being torn down and then you, you know, either you step in or, or you sit there and you walk away and then you feel horrible shame because you didn't do anything about it. Um, just seeing individuals being torn down by a bully is horrific. I hate it so much. Uh, I, I remember in college uh, being on the soccer team at Evangel, there were these individuals that just beat down two in particular players in the locker room, during practice when coach wasn't there, whatever. And these, these individuals, I remember having conversations with one of them, and he was just saying how he just wants to quit. Uh, he loved soccer, but he hates it now. And this was all because these people treated him so horribly, right? And you're like, I wish those people got in trouble. I wish, I wish so badly that they got kicked off the team or that they had to run so much or, or whatever, right? You just, you just wish that they got justice. It's hard to love those kind of people. You just want them at least to know what they did, the extent of how much they hurt that person's feelings. I remember in high school, um, there was this guy, and I just actually tried to look him up on Facebook just like an hour ago because I was thinking about this with him, but uh, his name was Robbie, and, and Robbie wanted so badly to be cool, and so he, he would you know, wear these shoes that, uh, I don't even know how to describe them, but I mean, I think he spray painted them to make them you know, just look kind of edgy or whatever, and I remember he used to wear, like, really baggy sweatpants, and he was um, underprivileged. He, he just didn't really have a whole lot of money, his family, and, um, and he was made fun of all the time, and he wanted so badly to be cool. You know, he tried to talk like the cool people talked. He tried to dress like the cool people dressed, and, and uh, he tried to, you know, uh, they would be walking together in groups, and he would kind of try to veer in and just, you know, casually make his way into conversations, and they would, they would call him out for that and say, what are you doing joining 
this conversation. And, and so they would just make him feel lesser. And, and I just remember sitting through all these different classes where teachers wouldn't say something and other people would laugh. And, and just Robbie, I just remember being torn down all the time and I absolutely hated it. And it made you hate the other people. I mean, just being transparent and honest makes you really just despise those people and just wish that they got what they deserved, that they would be in Robbie's shoes and they would know what it felt to be Robbie for a day. And uh, it just makes you really despise those kind of people. And so those are the kind of people I'm talking about when it, com- when it comes to God calling us to love the way God loves. And, and as we look at this passage that I'm about to open up to, um, I think it just says so clearly that God calls us, Jesus, in his words in the Sermon on the Mount, calls us to love the way God loves, to forgive infinitely, to give grace generously, offer mercy endlessly. And I'm not just saying those words like it's a cliche, right? Like endless mercy for people, like legitimately acted out, true, mercy unendingly, just giving grace infinitely. And that's not just to say it, you know, like, oh yeah, that's just a saying, you know, put it on a plaque, but that we would act it out to give grace to the person that is mean to us every day or mean to the person we love every day and they make them cry and that we should love them every day and give grace 70 times, 70 times and even more to come. I think God calls us to offer mercy endlessly and in all of that, never retaliate. And so uh, to love the way God loves, I think, is difficult for us. And that's why I think Jesus puts it here in his sermon uh, in Matthew chapter 5. So this is going to be the end of, of our Sermon on the Mount, uh, Portion Radical Relationships. And so let's look at this text. It starts in verse 38, and it's obviously going through the end of chapter 5. And so let me read it, and we will we'll jump right in. It says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right, this fair, that's, that's the way that people understood it. Tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye, fair. They get what they deserve, right? This is what you've heard, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If he... If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy, love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. I'm sorry. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, right? Love people accordingly to how they act. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I'm going to actually stop there for now. I'm just going to stop there just, just for a second and kind of look at this contrast that Jesus gives us. Because he, he, he kind of contrasts what, what the common understanding of the day was when it comes to loving people. And I think the common understanding then is also the common understanding now. Look at what it says. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You've also heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right, And so this, this idea of the day, also the idea of today, I think, is that we should punish people when they deserve it and love people when they deserve it, right? It's fair. It's, it's, it's deserving. People get what they deserve. You punish people eye for an eye, punish them when they deserve it, and you love people when they're good to you. You also hate people when they're not good to you. This is fair. This is, this is I think, how we naturally operate and, and understand things. Uh, but Jesus kind of flips that on its head. 
And he says, love those who wrong you. It says, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. Or, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, love the unlovable. Love even when it doesn't make sense. Love even when it isn't fair for you to love them. Flips it on his head, and I think really the premise behind all this is that we should overflow love to those who don't deserve it. We should overflow love to those who don't deserve it. And again, I think this, I just want to keep stopping this and say this is so easy and we could just fly through this, right? Uh, but if we really think about what that entails, what that's calling you to, what that's calling me to, I think this should, this should really kind of stir up some uneasiness inside of us. Um, I'm not sure about that actually, taking this to the extent in which Jesus does. He, he gives us some examples. Uh, if you go back to the text, um, it says, uh, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, here's this few examples. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him. So he starts with physical abuse. Jumping right in, right? If they slap you, let them do it again, okay? As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. So if he wants to take your belongings, not only hurt you, but take from you, just actually give him double this is like, this, we would think, well, what's the point of that, Jesus? Like that's, that's not just not retaliating, but it's giving them what they want and more. Physically slaps you, let him slap you again. If he takes from you, give him more than he was intentionally uh, intending to take in the first place. If anyone forces you to go one mile, so whether that be manipulation or oppression, whatever it might be, he says, go with him too. So if he's going to manipulate you, if he's going to oppress you, do more for him than he was actually forcing you to do in the first place. Why would we do that? Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then at the, the last one example is the people that persecute you just kind of all-encompassing people that are just wronged, uh, wronging you and harming you, whether it be physical or, or um, financial things that you own or forcing you to do something you don't want to do. Uh, now, all-encompassing, if they persecute you, pray for their behalf, pray, pray on their behalf, pray for them. Pray for their well-being. Pray for their prosperity. Pray for their sake. I mean, this is crazy, right? This is love that doesn't make sense at all. This doesn't make sense at all. A similar verse that we see in 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, is, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil. Right? So whenever they do evil to you, don't pay them back or insult for insult. On the contrary, give a blessing since you are called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. So as they would do evil to you or they would insult you, for every insult you would receive, give them a blessing. For every um, evil that they might do unto you, bless them. This is, this is the call for the Christian, the person that would follow God to love in a way that doesn't make sense. To the people that we would never comprehend doing these kind of things for. This is what he calls us to do. 
And I think, again, our natural response should be that our alarms are going off, right? That we want them to receive the punishment and not get more than they were even wanting in the first place. That we want them at least to know the pain that they caused, right? At the very least. So this is really hard for people, um, maybe you sitting in this room right now, that you can think of a very fresh wound that you have from somebody that's really hurt you, that's harmed you, that has frustrated you. And you are still feeling that pain right now, and it's, it's still fresh. It's really hard to swallow these kind of things and to, to, to be told, give them double or bless them, pray for them right now. This, I think, should be setting off alarms in us and saying, I, at least, I want them to, to pay for what they did or to, to feel what it feels like, or at the very least, the very least, I want them just to know what kind of pain I'm in right now. Like, I just at least want that. Can they just know the kind of pain that they've caused me? And Jesus wouldn't even say that. This is crazy love. It doesn't make sense. And I do want to say, uh, for, the, um, for the portion where it's talking about the, the slapping and then turn your cheek and, and offer your other cheek, uh, I, I do want to say that it, this, isn't, this isn't affirming um, abuse or allowing harm. I think some people have thought that Jesus saying, well, when someone slaps you, they physically harm you, then turn your cheek and let them do that to you um, again, that you would just condone or allow this kind of thing to happen to you. And, and that's not at all what Jesus is saying. I think if you read uh, the Bible in its context, its entirety, I think that the Bible really, uh, av- really speaks to avoiding um, harm, trying to avoid sin, uh, being acted upon you or other people, that we would, we would be people that would be pushing for righteousness. And so um, he doesn't say, you know, just, oh, just lay down and let them kick you. Uh, that's not at all what he's pushing for. The Bible speaks to trying to avoid and to take, um, to take refuge, all these different things. Um, I think the point that he's trying to make, that we have to get back to, we have to get back to, is that we should love people despite the best of reasons not to love them. We should love people despite the best of reasons not to love them. The better the reason to not love them, all the more to extend love and more than just forgiveness, but blessings upon them. And it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense to us. Uh, I think it kind of forces us to ask the question why. Just Why, Jesus, why would you call us to love that way, to bless the person that persecutes us? Why would I want to pray for the, on behalf of the person that made Robbie feel horrible? Why would I ever want to give more to the person that's trying to break in my house and steal? Why would I, why would I want to do these things? Why would you call us to do that? I can be a kind person. I can stand up for righteousness. But why would you have me bless the person that is harming other people and getting enjoyment out of it? Why would I give them more? Right? Why? I, I think is a reasonable question that we should ask. And, and Jesus actually answers that in the last portion of chapter 5. Uh, it says, so that, do all these things, love this person, do these things. You, you say an eye for an eye, but I say to do this. So that, verse five, 45, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brother and sister, what are you doing out of the ordinary? 
Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So he's saying, it's easy to love people that's lovable. It's, it's easy to be kind to people that are kind to you every day. Everybody does that. Why should we go above and beyond and love the person that's not lovable? Be kind to the person that doesn't deserve grace is because we are children of the Father in heaven. We, we, are, we are children to the God of grace. So therefore, we should reproduce that kind of grace. He gives us grace, so therefore, we should also give grace. We want people to say, I guess, so to speak, if you want to go with the, with the saying, um, uh, we want people to think that apple doesn't fall from, far from the tree, right? If God would just give abundant grace, then we also should be representatives of him and give abundant grace. I think that's, that is why Jesus would call us to do something that is so radical, so insane to other people is because God does it for us and God does it for them. And so we are also called to do that. So let me just look at this as I'm wrapping up, actually. I told you it's a really simple message, uh, but it takes us taking the application seriously. Let me just take one or two minutes to look at the love that Jesus has for us or the Heavenly Father has for us, so that we could also try to replicate or try to uh, mirror that love. Is that fair? Um, the extent of our offense to God that we would spit in his face so many times that we do every single day, um, it, it's not far into the Bible that we see we have already chosen not to follow God, right? You get to Genesis chapter 3, and they have rejected what God would have for them. And then in Genesis chapter 6, we, f- we see for the first time that would also start for a trend um, throughout the rest of the Bible, God saying that his spirit was grieved because of the sin that he sees from people, because they would reject him so many times that he was saddened. His spirit was saddened or grieved. Uh, it's chapter 6 in Genesis. The sixth chapter in the Bible, guys. Sixth chapter. And God says... I regret that I even did this, that I, that I made this. I regret it, and I'm saddened by all the sin that people are doing. And so our rejection of God is so extensive that he would feel so grieved by it. If you, if you go to uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 8, this, this passage, this chapter, is kind of Jeremiah speaking out um, to people on behalf of God. And so he's kind of like, he's the, he's the spokesman of God and he's really um, speaking out to people about how God feels. And, and it's, he's also mimicking the feelings of God. And so he says throughout this chapter, thus says um, God, or let me, let me see, it's, it's multiple times. This is the Lord's declaration is the um, reoccurring statement. This is the Lord's declaration throughout this whole thing. But he's also kind of syncing how he feels and, and his emotions um, with how God feels about how people reject him and spit at his name and refuse to love him and all these different things. Jeremiah is also uh, feeling the grief that God feels. And this is what he says in verse 21. I am broken by the brokenness of my dear people. I mourn. Horror has taken hold of me. And, and there's other parts. If you look at verse 18, my joy has flown away. Grief has settled on me. My heart is sick. All throughout the Bible, the Bible is a story of us spitting in God's face and God loving us anyway. I mean, that is the story of the Bible. That is the story of our redemption. That is why we're here is because we reject God every day and all that we do 
saddening his spirit every single time and grieving him and making him have a pit right in his stomach, so to speak, because he doesn't have a stomach. But just rejecting him all the time. And the end of that story we know is that he would love us anyway. If you look at the cross, I mean, that is the be- most beautiful example of God loving us despite all the horrible things that we do. That he would still die for us. And while doing so, if you know the story, people are, are abusing him, literally ripping the flesh off of him and pulling out his hair, and he is still simultaneously praying, God, would you forgive them? God, forgive these people. And on the cross, not only is he verbally saying, God, forgive them, but him being on the cross is him pleading to God, forgive these people. They refuse him, and he loves them. He is harmed by them, and he loves them. We harm and grieve God, and he loves us. And so now we, as his children, should love the people that harm us and grieve us and beat us down and make us cry, saddened. We love because our Heavenly Father does, and we are to be his children. I think that's just so hard sometimes to swallow, uh, especially if you have people in your mind that really don't deserve it or have harmed you or have wronged you or whatever. To love those people anyway, to be people of love, abundant love, overpouring, endless love to people. But I think that's a witness to, that's a witness to the world of the love that God has for us and, and for them, that we could just be a small little uh, representation of the love that they could have in God. And so that's, that's I think, uh, what we're called to do. And that's Matthew 5. What I want to do, I, I, it's normal setup uh, throughout the night, um, as we do any other night, is I want, I want us to spread out and spend some time thinking on this. Uh, and so you guys can start making your way through there. I do have this last little thing I want to say while you're doing it. Uh, let me give you an example of what this looks like, okay? And this is, this is really important. I asked Sarah actually permission to share this. So we had an argument this morning, and we were fighting, and um, because all marriages do, right? And we were, we were just, I was about to leave for work, we were in the kitchen, and we started arguing about something, and we both felt offended, we felt um, wronged by the other person, and, uh, and we were angry, and we wanted to talk through it, but both of us felt offended by the other person. But by the end of it, we made a point to not just walk out of there because the other person heard our point, right? But we want to love the person that has offended us and frustrated us. And so we actually prayed for one another. Uh, we prayed for the other person's well-being for the, the upcoming day. Um, we felt offended by the person. She felt offended by me. I felt offended by her. And we prayed for each other. She started, she prayed for me and for my day and that God would work in my life and speak to me and speak with me and, and then I prayed for her. That's what we're called to do to people that we don't love, that we're not married to. 
We're called to pray for the person that has not only just offended you, but you walk out of there and you can't stand them and you are called to go and say, can I pray for your well-being? I think that is just crazy to do that. How hard is that to, to ask, hey, can I pray for you right now? Genuinely, legitimately, like I really want to pray for your well-being right now. To somebody that you love, maybe your brother, maybe your sister, maybe your parents, they just frustrated you, they, they just did something that made you angry and you said, you know what, can I just pray for your well-being right now? <laughs> that sounds crazy. Now think about it to somebody that you would never fathom wanting to spend a day with. God calls us to love the way he loves us. To love the unlovable, love the person that doesn't deserve grace. This is what radical love is, but I think it shows the love of God to a world that needs to see it. It, it blows the mind of people that need to see love that they've never seen before. And ultimately, the source of that love that we would give them, we need to show them Jesus that loves them far more than we ever could. The, the song that we're going to listen to uh, first in this time of response is called Living Hope. And, uh, and part, of the, part of the chorus kind of talks about this. It says, who could imagine so great a mercy? So great a mercy. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. Unfathomable grace. Incredible mercy that God would step down and love me and forgive me. This is the kind of love that we're going to be singing about. We should meditate on this truth, the extent of his love for us, that what he has done for you, and then also, therefore, this is the hard part, it's easy to receive the love, right? Think about the love that he gives us, how incredible it is. Dwell on that, the joy that it would bring, and then let that feed into our call to go and do likewise. That's the hard part, not receiving it, but also giving that kind of unthinkable love to other people. That's what we're called to do as his people, as his children. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.